Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for Security Now is provided by AOL Radio at AOL.com slash podcasting. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson, episode 66 for November 16th, 2006, Vista Security. Security Now is brought to you by Astaro, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. On the web at www.astaro.com. And by Dell. For this week's specials, visit twit.tv slash Dell. It's time to talk security with our favorite security guru, the man who keeps us all safe and sound. Last week, we were not only talking about computer security, but uh, but uh, uh, security worldwide. <laughs> we're talking about border, more homeland security. Uh, yep. Steve Gibson, it's good to have you back on Security Now. How's your week been? It's really been good, Leo. I'm and, in uh, Canada I'm... right now where it's freezing. I want to come home to California. Well, I'm going to be up there joining you in December. Oh, so good timing. I guess... It should be much warmer then. <laughs> <laughs> you nut. <laughs> All right. What, uh, well, Leo? Yeah, what can we talk about today? What's the, what's since, the hot topic? Since we last talked, uh, I have installed Vista. Oh, good. I decided, okay, it was at RC2, and uh, it's probably RTM by the time people are hearing this, because it was supposed to be around, the last I heard was November 8th. It did, was, in fact, uh, the last, uh, I just heard, a, now it's a not unconfirmed rumor, but I heard a rumor that it, in fact, uh, was certified and went to master uh, about a week ago. So it's official. Well, uh, I hope they made some changes Uh-oh. to it. <laughs> You're using uh, what, what build are you using? Okay, I'm using the RC2 build. I think it was like 5766 or okay, something. Okay. I mean, it was it was a late build, and uh, and all kinds of things crash. In fact, it was behaving so badly that I thought, okay, maybe this is a system problem. So I ran. Uh, the the Memtest 86 for like four days never had a single problem and Windows XP runs on this system like a bat out of hell. I mean I've got to say okay this is a 3.06 gigahertz uh, hyper threaded uh, Pentium 4. It's got two gigs of RAM and because I was going to run Vista, I bought a brand new NVIDIA. Um, it's the the GeForce 7600 GS board. You know, it's one with a blower on it, and you got to give it a hard <laughs> you got to give it a hard drive connector. You know, you can't get it. It, it wants so much right, power right. that the bus won't power. You got to you plug hard drive connectors into the edge of the uh, the back edge of the card in order to get this thing powered up. But Leo, Vista is slow. Really. Oh, and in fact, I mean, I've got the I've got the the the, the glass UI, which, okay, you know, I mean, I'm it's it's attractive, but not at the expense of all this performance. I mean, I'm frankly, I'm the more I look at the Mac, the more impressed I am with this nice brushed aluminum look. That you know, the the first thing I did with with Vista, I kind of I mean, like how Vista looks. You don't like the new the new uh, Arrow Glass interface. It'll be interesting to see what people think. It's not that I don't like it. It's that you. I think they could have done something better with all these display and processor cycles mm. that they are apparently consuming. Now, I turned it off 
just to see if I could get the the display performance up because I mean really it is it is just dog slow yeah and and also even with this card they have something that they call the the the, the Vista experience rating right which you know where, where it ranks your processor your display card your RAM your hard drive speed and and other stuff basically what they're doing is they're saying it's not our fault they're you know you, you don't have enough hardware it's giving me a rating of two for this display for, for my graphics performance. Out, out of think, what? Out, what's the I top? think it's out of five okay. because the hard drive I'm getting a four point nine. The the processor I get a four point two, and the everything else is in the four point something. But I get a two with this this screaming you know G four seventy six hundred. It's like okay, what do you want from me? <laughs> How can I get more? I mean, it's you know, it's a it's a 512 megabyte graphics card. Mm. It's just, I mean, but Leo grabbing the the lower right corner and stretching a window out, it just like it refreshes so slowly. And I mean, this is a a, a fast machine that I'm using it on. It's you know, three gigahertz P4 with two gigs of RAM. It's like okay, well, uh. I, I hope this thing works. Well, I mean, you, I, just, I, I think I what you're using is fairly close, but again, it's not the final version. Uh, uh, the final build is, I, I, I think, build 6,000, although it's, well, pretty, and, it's pretty close to what you've got. And in fact, all of Sunday, well, it didn't take all of Sunday, but I decided, okay, I've got to find out what you and Paul are talking about. Right. Uh, so I downloaded the four episodes so far of, of Windows Weekly, of course, with, with 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 Paul Thorat, and uh, I got a kick out of the the fact that to, uh, if the somewhere in the fourth one, he said you guys were sort of talking about Vista and security a little bit. And he said, "Do I remember you saying that that Steve Gibson is still using Windows 2000?" <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yes. yes, and I'll be moving to XP soon, <laughs> but not right away. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I I'm getting ready to move to XP. It's it's stable enough now. It's mature enough. You know. <laughs> okay, well, that should give you some idea. Uh, yeah, now, how I, it's hard to judge uh, security, though, right? Because, uh, well, frankly, nobody's attacking you yet. Well, actually, there are. I want to talk about today the 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 architectural things Microsoft has done in the name of security. Now, we've already talked about we had, we had a prior episode about the, about Vista's Virgin Stack. Right. I think we called it, right. and I was shuddering over the idea that that Microsoft is bragging about the fact that they rewrote the the networking from scratch and that. Uh, Symantec's early pokings at it discovered many problems that are were critical security vulnerabilities that were fixed decades ago right, right. in early Unix stacks. That are all all these problems are back again. So it's like, oh boy. Mm. I mean, this, this is typical. This is not an architectural thing. This is a you know, brand new code that just hasn't had the debris pounded out of it yet. And it's it's why I'm now five years late getting ready to move to XP because it's had the debris pounded out of it. And I mean, even XP was a direct descendant of Windows 2000. So it had the advantage of Windows 2000's maturity. Um, so anyways. I gather what you're saying is if you want real security, use XP. Okay, what I'm um, we're going to draw some conclusions once I've laid enough foundation. Um, but I'll tell people the bottom line is: don't buy 
a th- any more 32-bit systems. Oh, interesting. And oh, interesting. Tricky for me to say that, but I'm going to explain why. Because what Microsoft has had to do is, in order to make the next move forward in security, they've had to make a conscious decision to break major things that have always been done in the past. This was the right decision to make. I fully endorse it. But it means that the 32-bit platform is going to sail on mostly unchanged, and only the 64-bit platform will be secure and will, will receive the benefit of these, these, these security design changes Microsoft has chosen to make. Interesting. So I, so I, you know, for people who are security conscious, I want to, I want, you know, you're hearing it here. There is a huge difference in Vista's 64-bit security, that is security on a 64-bit platform, as opposed to anything Microsoft is able to offer and, and chosen to offer on the 32-bit platform. But, but stepping back from that, I will again say, boy, you know, any hardware you have that can run Vista will run XP like a bat out of hell. I mean, I mean, the, the system I'm using where Vista is just painfully slow on just on a UI standpoint. I mean, Leo, moving a window around pegs the processor. Yeah. It goes to 100%. Just moving a window around. Yeah. It's like, okay, what are they doing? That's that's nuts. <laughs> well, again, you're using beta code. Maybe there is, uh, in fact, often the case with beta code, as you know, there's debugging well, code still in there. Well, pre, pre-release stuff. code. I mean, right. they were calling it RC2. But as I learned from listening to you and Paul, and I would encourage our listeners to start, you know, if they're interested in, in Vista, certainly add um, Windows Weekly, your 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 Windows podcast with, with Paul Therat to their their podcast lineup. Thank it's, you. And I'm telling uh, people who listen to Windows Weekly to listen to you because we co- basically both of these shows are covering Vista from different angles. I mean, Paul's not a security expert, uh, but he certainly talks about a lot about uh, you know things to keep in mind with XP. And uh, it, it, and I think Paul will actually be very interested to hear what you have to say because uh, truthfully, uh, we haven't recommended 64-bit Windows either XP. Or a Vista for the very reason you just quoted. It breaks a lot of things, including drivers, yep. antiviruses, and security software. Yep. Yep. Now, okay. So, so stepping back from that, I just want to say again, I'm I, I've got Vista installed. I I really do. I mean, it's a pretty OS. It's got a nice sort of flat look. I'm not that impressed with the with the translucent. You know, window headers that blur what's behind them is like okay, gee whiz, you know, whoopie doo. Yeah, I mean, and you can turn that just, off. You're not. And I did, and I did get a more. I've got better graphics performance yeah, that way. Yeah. So I've so I've got I've I've created two users. Uh, one 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 where I bolted down the UI as much as possible. But even so, you know, it's really slow. So yes, I'm hoping what they're shipping is going to be faster. Although notice that RC two was not much earlier than the RTM. I mean, what, it was like two weeks. Right. So there, it's not like this. Like the one I'm using was from six months ago. No, no, no. The one I'm using was from late October. Right, so, right. you know, I, again, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the reverse of an early adopter because, yes, I'm it's still on 2000 and I'll be moving to XP, you know, one of these days. <laughs> but, okay, so, um, uh, and I, I have to say also that IE has crashed. Anytime I log out of the of the system, it crashes. It just drops right out to the BIOS <laughs> and <nice>. reboots. I <laughs> mean, I've gotten a whole bunch of crashes of this code, which you know 
was supposedly pretty mature, and this is on a system that, as far as I can tell, is just working perfectly. So, you know, I'm not blaming my hardware. Um, I also want to mention before I forget that I have been using Parallels on the Mac uh, with an XP install, and I am really impressed. I'm becoming more and more impressed with Parallels the more I use it. You know, we talked about this before and how Mark Thompson was saying that, that you know, he thought Parallels' performance even on a PC, on a standard Windows host platform, far exceeded what VMware was doing. So really, I think VMware's advantage is the stuff they've got locked up in patents, you know, all of the incremental snapshots and rollbacks and things, which they clearly have a patent on and which no other VM application is able to do because of infringement against that. Right, but, right. you know, but just in terms of, of running Windows in a in, on a Mac, um, it it as far as I can tell, it runs absolutely full speed. I don't see any difference. However, I was unable to install the RC2 of Vista. Apparently, it's still very finicky. RC1 of Vista would install under Parallels, but only after the Parallels guys like fixed it so that it would work. And I was getting blue screens when I'm. Oh, that reminds me, Leo. The, uh, Vista has removed the blue screen by turning it into a dialogue. Instead of <laughs> it's instead still a blue screen actually, of death, and it even says blue screen. They 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 like kept the term. You, it pops up a dialogue, and in there, in the dialogue text, it, it says, says blue screen. You've just had a blue screen. It's like uh, okay, uh, whoa. <laughs> Yeah, that's so, like when you know, Apple took out the error eleven by just renaming. <laughs> we don't have to fix the software; just take out the error message. Yeah, because we don't want to see that anymore. No, we don't want to see that. Yeah. So anyway, I like the I like the Vista UI. Um, I'm I like the decisions that Microsoft has made from a policy standpoint. I'm scared of what they've done recoding huge network facing you know internet facing aspects of vista mm-hmm. we don't even know about the whole peer to peer thing yet but so let's talk about what microsoft has deliberately done in terms of vista security you know what what's new um, we saw in the in the uh, the release of service pack 2 with xp these the, the so called windows security center which sort of continuously monitors your security-related things like your firewall, automatic updates, and antivirus. That that aspect has been expanded in Vista to include Windows Defender, which is Microsoft's malware scanner. And I've got to say, you know, as you and I have said before, you know, we don't run anti-spyware stuff. I discovered from the log that this Vista system was running the Windows Defender scan in the wee hours of the morning on the days that I left it on right. um, all by itself. So it was performing this sort of scan. And it's again, it's pretty nice to have a, a scan built into Windows, not some third-party add-on, which is sinking its tendrils down deep into the kernel and who knows what, slowing things down. And just, you know, basically having a a problem coexisting with everything else Windows doing. So, I mean, I'm I imagine that, you know, uh, uh, 10 years from now when I actually upgrade to using Vista myself, uh that I'll be very happy just using the the built-in malware scanner right. that, that that Vista has. Yeah, I've been pretty happy with it. Um of course, you and I both know what to do not to get the malware in the first place. So, right. we we're not and really so, taxing this thing. 
So we haven't exactly. We have not yeah. been having uh, that problem. Certainly, though, users who 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 are who have not been doing anything proactive like that security-wise, and who are picking up malware that Microsoft knows about. I mean, this thing updates itself continuously, so it's being kept apprised of the latest problems. You know, this is going to be really helping people. So, so I think this is a very you know proactive major good thing. I mean, a perfect example is that that even though personal firewalls existed way before Windows XP Service Pack 2, even in the era of personal firewalls, we were getting all those worm wars, Code Red and Nimda and Blaster, because people had them turned off, or they had been subverted, or they just weren't using them. As soon as Service Pack 2 happened, where the firewall was part of the OS and turned on by default, all of that problem went away. Similarly... As soon as Vista happens with Windows Defender built in, able to and doing automatic background updates and scanning for the user in the background, I think we're going to see a sea change in the whole spyware malware problem. I, I mean, I think it's going to make a huge difference for this thing to be built in to every version of, I mean, every version and copy of Windows that ships. So I know. I, I, I take my hat off to Microsoft. Certainly, the, the people who are competing with Microsoft in this space, in this application space, are not happy about this, but they had many years of, you know, of lots of profit and a good long run, and it really is a pro-user thing that Microsoft is doing, much as adding, a, you know, an always-on firewall to the OS has been a very pro-user thing. Right, right. So... One of the other things that Microsoft has done is uh, Vista incorporates something called BitLocker. Uh, it's sort of it's it's I like sort of the double entendre of that. It's it's locking your bits and it's also storage. It's a locker that stores your bits. Oh, I get it. it. it, it, <laughs> it yeah, it is built in. It is built in whole volume encryption that that can work two ways. If you've got a, a, a TPM, a, a trusted platform module built into your system, you know, the, the whole, and we've talked about TPM before, how it's sort of controversial because, you know, from a privacy standpoint, basically what, what, what TPM does is it's, it's pre-boot technology that, that was going to solve a lot of problems. And in, and, and in this case, the, the, the TPM system is able to authenticate you to the operating system and and enable on the fly decryption of the main OS volume. Now, BitLocker requires its own partition because it has to run prior to installing on the fly decryption. But th- but this is very much like built-in TrueCrypt sort of technology where everything written to the drive is encrypted on the fly. Everything read from it is decrypted on the fly. The reason, again, that this is a good thing is that because it's there by default and from Microsoft and present, it'll probably see more use. The great use, of course, is on laptop systems, and we've talked about this often, the the problem of them being stolen. Now, the problem, of course, is systems that don't have the the TPM, the um, Trusted Platform Module, installed by, you know you know present in their system they're um, they need to fall back to a secondary but still sort of elegant solution and that is the 
decryption key can be stored on a USB, a small USB drive. And you must then, for example, on a laptop that was set up or on a main desktop, you must have that USB key installed and your BIOS needs to be able to to access that USB key at boot time. So there are some requirements, but most motherboards and, and laptops made in the last few years have been able to boot from USB and access the USB device in the BIOS and not needing you know fancy Windows drivers in order to do that. So essentially your USB dongle becomes your key and and you you boot your laptop with the key in place and and Windows will perform on the this whole BitLocker technology will cause Windows to perform on the fly decryption for you and you know you're good to go and this and this of course can also be used with a desktop because it requires two partitions it's not as easy to set up as as it could be but you can imagine that that um in the short term maybe from the beginning uh laptops and new desktop systems shipped from from OEMs will be partitioned to be bitlocker compatible in this fashion so i would imagine that they should work without any trouble so it, it is nice on the fly decryption technology and and what it prevents is the problem of, of for example removing a drive from a system and putting it into another drive and 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 using you know ntfs aware drivers to access a drive underneath the security system you know it's one thing not to be able to access the the drive if you're an, a non-privileged user but it's always been the case that you could access the drive from outside the operating system and and that's always been a problem this basically encrypts the entire system volume with and all your apps and all your uh, all your data you know basically giving a a, a complete wrapper around uh, around the system in Vista. So again, hats off to Microsoft. This is a really good thing. Although, I mean, we still probably would recommend TrueCrypt. It's just nice to, once it's built into the OS, more people will use it, I guess. Well, yeah, and, and that's exactly that's exactly my, my point. And corporations will, will be They're far more... They'll with it, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah, far yeah. more enabled to have this technology running and right. working on, on those laptops. But again... It requires Vista, and I'm not going to be there anytime soon. I don't know about the rest of our listeners, but, you know, not me. I'll be there. Don't worry, folks. Steve can hang out. He's still running Windows 2000. I'll be running Vista the minute I can buy it. Although, well, and, now you're making me think about how to buy it, whether I should buy 32 or 64, but we'll get to that. Okay, let's talk about that now. Okay. S- several major new security systems in Vista to protect the kernel. We've talked about rootkits. We know how... How big a problem rootkits are? We've talked about Blue Pill, the idea of running a program that just silently subverts your OS by sort of slipping in a hypervisor shim that the system doesn't even know about. Nothing hiccups, nothing happens, but you know your system has been taken over. Of course, the the, the famous Sony rootkit uh, uh, DRM issue that we talked about a long time ago, where it turned out it had a problem that was allowing malicious exploitation of it, in addition to being a a bunch of of software that was being installed and then using rootkit tech, rootkit technology to hide itself. So you know we've we've talked many times from different directions about kernel modifications, and we talked recently a couple of weeks ago about the issue that that the 
AV vendors like Symantec and McAfee and others were having over the news that the tricks they were using would no longer be permitted. And there was some confusion at the time about, well, was Microsoft going to create an API that would allow them to modify the kernel? That is, you know, give them, like, somehow some means of authenticating themselves in order to allow those modifications. The good news is no. <laughs> Rightly so. No. Stay out of my kernel. Now, one of the things that, that has been... Now, that's hallmark- true only in 64-bit, though. Is that right? Yes, that's, that's where I'm going right now. Yeah. One of the things that's always been true of Microsoft is they have gone out of their way for forward compatibility or reverse compatibility, whichever direction you're looking. That is to say, as they come out with new stuff, they 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 really go to extreme lengths not to break old stuff. Right. In fact, one of Mark Thompson's complaints about about Apple is that that Apple is far more willing to break older things and say, "Well, sorry, we broke that, so upgrade your software or stop using that or or, or something." Microsoft really really tries desperately hard not to, to break anything that they've ever offered. Which is why your 15-year-old copy of Wizards of Might and Magic still works on Windows XP. And, and interestingly, it's why them removing full raw sockets from Windows XP, as I was begging them to do, it took them several, well, it took them two service packs and, and several years because they realized, I mean, and even then it was controversial because they were taking something out that was going to break software, right. and a bunch of software did break. They don't like but, to do that, yeah. But they, they really don't want to do that. So, so two things have, have appeared in, in 64-bit versions of Vista and only 64-bit versions, and that is all kernel drivers must be signed. Now, signing kernel drivers is always a good thing because it's just nice it's nice to see where stuff that's down in the kernel, I mean, that is, has installed itself and become a part of the operating system, you know, you, you'd like to know that it really came from NVIDIA or from Microsoft or from Symantec or whomever. And an unsigned driver is always suspicious, especially since Microsoft signs all of theirs. You're able to look at the version information and verify the digital certificate of any of the drivers coming from Microsoft. The problem is that... With and driver signing appeared in and, and began to be really active in Windows 2000, but it was not enforced. It is possible to use what's what's called the group policy editor to enforce dr- the only the loading of signed drivers. And for Windows, even Windows 32-bit Windows, you know, current Windows XP and 2000, to to refuse to load unsigned drivers. The problem is you can't do a lot of things. Because since, by default, Windows 32-bit windows, all versions of 32-bit windows, will load unsigned kernel drivers without complaint, most manufacturers never bother to sign them. And in fact... Does it cost them money to sign it? To get them signed? uh, um, Yes. And it annoys me that, you know, for example, I've got Authenticode credentials that allow me to sign all my apps. And my older ones are not signed. My newer ones are signed. And I think it's like $700 a year that I have to pay for that privilege. And, you know, it's just for some bits of code that goes directly, you know, and, and the dollars goes directly into Microsoft's pocket. So it, it annoys me. But at the same time, 
I want that authentic code signature to mean something. And in order for it not to just be spoofed and, and made up, uh, Microsoft goes to some 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 measures to verify that I am who I am. And so you could argue, well, that takes you know time and effort on on their part. So they're getting they, they are doing something for the money that I'm paying them. So um, <laughs> well, that's but, a good thing. <laughs> but largely, largely, code is not signed. Right. And and increasingly, there will be pressure on people to have their code signed. You As may remember absolutely should be. I mean, yes, you yeah. may remember that one of my comments about Mojo Pack that I made back to the Mojo Pack people was, "Hey, this is not signed. It's dumb for any any high volume downloadable software not to be signed because IE will bring up a dialogue and say." This is an unknown publisher. Right. That is the only way for software to prove its publisher is for that publisher to obtain authentic code credentials and to take the trouble and time to sign their code. It's funny. This has been around something like 10 years. It's about yes. time they kind of enforced it. Well, what's going to be enforced finally is this functionality for the, for the 64-bit kernel. Now, as you mentioned, Leo, you know, XP 64-bit has been around for, what, a year and a half or so? And because they are enforcing signed drivers, a lot of publishers just said, oh, well, uh, we're not going to do 64-bit support right now. So, so, so it hasn't really taken off because, as you said, it's a problem. Well, Vista is going to require signed drivers it and there is no exception to it no way to turn it off no way to circumvent it so and microsoft's thinking is this okay 32-bit applications will still run fine on a 64-bit platform in the same way that 16-bit windows applications worked fine under you know windows 95 and 98 and so forth and of course the the the, uh, nt and all of its children so so there isn't an application portability problem because you're able to emulate the prior API set on top of the operating system. You cannot do this with kernel code. Kernel code inherently has to be rewritten from scratch. So no 32-bit drivers can run. No 32-bit kernel drivers can be used in a 64-bit kernel. So Microsoft's feeling is, okay, we're not breaking anyone's existing drivers. We're simply saying we're, you're going to have to get your drivers signed in order to load them in the kernel. Now, just to clarify, now, the, the signing is required for 64-bit Vista, not for 32-bit Vista. Correct. Okay. Correct. So, so from the start, what this means is that, that – the the 64-bit kernel will be will be protecting itself by requiring signing. Now it also means fact, a lot of things won't work. Well, no, you don't have to get 64-bit specific drivers, which you would have had to get anyway. Anyway, okay, okay. I mean, and that and that's my point is that this isn't breaking anything. Got it. This is it just it means is, many, a lot of hardware won't work because there'll be no driver. But exactly, but but again, it wouldn't work anyway until the hardware had 64-bit support right, right. because 32-bit support won't work do it. Okay. in a 64-bit platform. Got it, got it. So, and, and it's certainly the case that 64-bits is coming. Now, here I am, you know, and, and when I started thinking about this, it's like, okay, wait a minute, 64-bits? I mean, 32-bits, 
it seems like it ought to be plenty, but we'd like to have more RAM because there are big server applications and there are you know big iron applications where where four gigs of a of directly addressable RAM is beginning to be not a lot anymore. That's the current and, uh, limit for thirty-two bit platforms. Yes, thirty a, th- a thirty-two bit. Um, Word or D word as it's called a, a, a double word, thirty two bits has four billion different bit combinations, and so that allows you to access four gigabytes, four billion bytes of RAM, and that's the limit for thirty two bit direct addressing. Now, sure, we could play games the way we once did in the old days when we, you know, when we had six forty k limit. On, on on memory you with page memory. stuff in and out and exactly expanded memory yeah, and extended yeah. memory and all that but that's just not going to happen anymore i mean well so what else do we get from 64 bit we get we get 4 gigs of more than 4 gigs of memory we get more than 4 gigs of memory and we the other major feature is what's called kernel patch protection or kpp and this is really controversial this but it's controversial because it is so important and so powerful. What this means is that the 64-bit kernel will no longer ever allow itself to be patched. Now, every personal firewall is doing this now in 32 bits. It's the only way personal firewalls are able to hook into the network layer where they need to in order to block incoming traffic because applications don't have that ability. So every personal firewall, the AV programs that have, have, have taken advantage of, 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 of this kind of access, which has always been unfettered in all prior versions of Windows, 16 and 32 bits, Microsoft has flatly said that ends now. That ends mm-hmm. at the 64-bit at the Switch I think into the fine. kernel. Now this is, is this is the thing that Symantec and Adobe were complaining about, right? Yes, because they would like to, they would like the freedom to do this, and they've proposed various ways of like signing their privileges. I mean, basically using some sort of it's okay, of it's us crypto. Exactly. The problem is any, and this is what we said when we talked about this a few weeks ago for the first time, Leo is. You know, it was just like, oh no, don't. I mean, <laughs> don't, don't let them. Let, don't let them because there is no way if you uh, if you create exceptions that the, the that the hackers will not find a way around those exceptions. And Microsoft seems to have come up with a good compromise, which is okay, thirty two bit. We won't enforce kernel patch protection. We'll just do it in sixty four bit. Well, because they can't. They literally they can't oh. do it. In 32-bit, oh, I didn't because, know oh. be, well, because it would break everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing would work. But they kind of and hinted it, that they would at first, it sounded like, and then they backed off. Well, what they've done is they have created a, a, a new set of APIs. There is the, the really new thing that, that they call it WFP, the Windows Filtering Platform, is a way for applications to, to reach down and get legitimate access to the the raw network traffic so that for example personal firewalls they'll need to be redesigned around this new API but it's a it's a completely clean non-kernel patching way 
for for those applications to function. So so basically the manufacturers are complaining because they would like to continue breaking the rules. I mean and this ha, you, know, ha, any, you can't. Ha, ha. Any you know this is rootkit technology right. and what what this means is that 64-bit windows will be rootkit safe. It will be rootkit protected. Well, be careful when not, you say that. I know you will not be able to modify the kernel. Now, the next thing when the, the Microsoft is going to do, and this is not happening now, but because they've made this rigorous no exceptions policy, it means that they will be able to seamlessly create a hypervisor when they when they bring out their forthcoming hypervisor technology and use the chip's hardware to enforce a non-modified kernel by absolutely locking down the the writability of pages. So anyway, this is this is all really good news, but it does mean that that people may want to consider whether it's worth holding off for 64 bits. Now, there aren't that bits, many 64-bit processors. There AMD has a few. In fact, I'm running on my shuttle PC, the 64FX, uh, and then there's the Optron and Sempron, and, and Intel has the Xeons. But th- these are workstation-grade computers. These aren't wi- in widespread use yet. Right, and so it's certainly going to take some time for, for these things to, to, to come down. So I guess I'm saying if, if people are, are wanting, if they, if they try to run Vista on their current hardware, I'm going to be very surprised if it's what I've been seeing in RC2 if it if it provides acceptable performance. That's going to induce people to say, "Well, You're going to boy, upgrade anyway." I guess I need exactly. I need more hardware. So I'm hoping that this will also this will create a market for 64-bit systems ah. which will begin then to to and so the 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 software manufacturers will start supporting 64-bit drivers. We'll start seeing some volume of 64-bit chips. That'll inevitably bring the bring the price down, you know, and Yeah, cuz I just spec'd out a, a a Dell server, a workstation, a 64-bit Xeon workstation. Now it was 4 grand by the time yes. I was done. Yes. Yeah, and of course I, I'm not going to order it because I'm waiting for Vista to come out. <laughs> but as soon as Vista's out, I have to say, Steve, I'm probably going to do it. And now you've convinced me that I should go with a Xeon or a, or a 64-bit AMD. Processor. Oh boy, you you I from everything I've seen, and again, I'm glad you you kept reminding me about the caveat that this was RC2. This was not Final Code. Right. On the other hand, it was only two weeks old, yeah. and. You know, this thing did not seem very stable, and it boy, did it not seem very fast. Right. So, you know, I'll have it too. I'll have Vista running. We'll be able to, to to poke at it, and you know, we need to be able to talk to our listeners about it. But in terms of me using it on my main system, no, I'll be also, moving to XP. Something to be aware of: you may be getting new peripherals because if the manufacturers of those peripherals don't do 64-bit Vista drivers, you won't be able to use them. So, if you're going 64-bit, we're talking a fairly steep expenditure. And not just a new computer, but you may be getting new printers and uh, scanners and and so forth as well. Yeah. So 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 looking at this the other direction for people who are still wanting to run Vista on 32-bit systems, there there is not a huge change in what Microsoft was able to do in terms of really improving the system security. Yes, you've got the firewall. Yes, you've got malware scanning built in now. Uh, yes, you, you, you've got the equivalent of TrueCrypt in what they're calling BitLocker to do on-the-fly decryption of the whole volume, but there's no kernel protection and no driver signing that the Microsoft is able to bring into 
in, in into the 32-bit Vista world because so many people have unsigned drivers and <clears throat> are, are messing with the kernel that it would just break too much. And you, Microsoft said, nope, we're, we're not going to be able to make that change. You might, frankly, want to think of Vista 32-bit as compatibility mode Vista and Vista 64-bit as incompatibility but secure mode Vista. Right. It, yeah. I mean, it's necessary to break some eggs yeah. to uh, to make the omelet. Well, and that's why Mac users have benefited a little bit. Um, now, it's ironically, I'm using a 32-bit OS and a 64-bit uh, Xeon on my Mac, but Leopard will be 64-bit, fully 64-bit. So, uh, right about the same time Vista comes out, just shortly after that, we'll all we'll all be going 64-bit someday. Well, Steve, thank you very much. Uh, we want to thank also our, our major sponsors who provide funding for this show, Astaro Corporation, makers of the Astaro Security Gateway. If your small or medium business network needs superior protection from spam, from viruses, from hackers, complete VPN. I use a VPN all the time. It's really nice to have VPN. Intrusion protection, content filtering, very important in small business, and an industrial strength firewall, all in a simple, easy-to-use, high-performance appliance. Great power at a great price. Contact Astaro, A-S-T-A-R-O.com. You can call 877-4-ASTARO, and they'll schedule a free trial of an Astaro Security Gateway appliance in your business. I recommend them. I'm using the 120 and love it. Also, frankly, if you're a non-business user, you can get the software absolutely free at A-S-T-A-R-O.com and uh, get many of the benefits uh, on some old beater that you've got lying around. Just put Astaro on it. Thank you to Astaro for their support. A-S-T-A-R-O.com. Also, thanks to Dell. I've been pricing him out. I'm going to have to put a 64-bit Dell system now in the uh, Leo's Picks page at twit.tv slash Dell, and I will. I'll put up, uh, you know, I was, I, I told you last week I'm getting an XPS 700. You just convinced me, Steve, not to. And I'm going to go with a Xeon because I want to have that 64-bit. I think uh, it's worth being on the leading edge in that case. Yeah. Oh, and I'm going to tell you, these are nice machines. Uh, they're, they're not as inexpensive, <laughs> but you know, you get good Dell quality. If you want to know more, I'll put my pick for a 64 bit machine along with some other more affordable prices, uh, affordable choices for desktops and laptops on the Leo's picks page. It's twit.tv slash Dell. And if you're about to buy a Dell, want to get a new Vista or windows machine, uh, make sure you go through that link so that we get credit for you. Twit.tv slash Dell. We thank Dell and Astaro for their support of this podcast. Of course, Steve's website is the place to go for show notes, 16 kilobit versions of this program, and of course, full transcripts for those who like to read along while they listen. Thanks to Elaine, grc.com, the home of Spinrite, everybody's favorite disk recovery and maintenance utility. Any uh, interesting Spinrite correspondence? I've got another really fun story, but I'm going to save it for next week. Okay, okay. I understand, Steve. Hold out on us if you want to read some of the older ones, though. S-P-I-N-R-I-T-E dot info is the place to go uh, for that. I, I just, I, I think everybody who has a hard, if you have a hard drive, you ought to have spin right. Steve, it's been a great uh, pleasure. We will uh, see you next week for another edition of Security Now. Absolutely. Thanks, Leo. Take care. Security Now.